thankful to be in your presence today and Lord to know that where you are every need is supplied and we're thankful for that today Lord I pray that you would help me Lord to say only those things that you would have said I pray Lord that you give us favor with the people that they might Lord take the word and not just see it as the words of a man but as the word of God Lord not because I would say it but because it comes from the scripture Lord and a spoken Lord by a prophet I pray that you'd grant that today and I pray that you'd help us Lord to Lord to want what you want for our lives to Lord to come and and just change us from the inside out may we leave here differently than when we came in Lord I pray that you bless our mothers here today Lord those that are have come to honor their mothers I pray that you'd give them a special blessing for that today we thank you for them we pray God that you'd move in a mighty way in this service today we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You love the Lord this morning? Yes. Amen. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord and to know that, that He is our God. Isaiah chapter 49, verses 14 through 16. I'd like to speak to you this morning on motherhood broken and restored. It's uh, good to see all of you out today, and I know we've got several missing gone to visit their, their mothers, but we've got a bunch here as well. My, the Curtis family turned out for Sister Karen, didn't they? God bless you this morning. We're so glad to have you, and different ones, the White Camp, some of you all are here with us this morning, and, and Brother Malachi, good to see you again this morning. And uh, it's always good to be in the house of the Lord, but especially when you get to be there with your mother. And uh, my mother is here today, and we give her a special honor today. And, and, and one of the things I always wanted in my life was to be able to uh, preach where my family was, and especially your mother. Uh, you, there's just a special support there that you don't get from anyone else. And so we appreciate that today. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 14. But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. And so he poses a question. He said, can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. Yet will I not forget thee? What a promise that is. Yes. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. I pray the Lord would add his blessing to the word. You may be seated. One of the strongest impulses in the world, even in the animal kingdom, is a maternal instinct. There's a God-given instinct, especially with us human beings. They're made in the image of God. It's part of what was separated from Adam in the Garden of Eden. It's why men and women, one of the reasons why men and women are so different is because every woman, I believe, has an instinct within her to be a mother. And even though maybe life would 
would work in different ways for different people and some maybe even able to have children and yet there's, a, there's an instinct there to, to be a mother, to care uh, for something. And, and even in, in the Hebrew, the word uh, compassion, if you look at that in the Hebrew, it actually comes from the root word of womb. And, and, and the reason for that is because there's no greater compassion than what a mother feels for the, for the children that she has birthed into the world. And so Isaiah, uh, he, he asked this question. He said, can a mother forget her child? Can a mother forget? And I think we've got good moms here today. I think that you would never forget your children. And you, you might, uh, from time to time, because you're human, uh, have, have a little spat or something with your children, but you'd never forget them. You would never purposely put them out of your mind, which is what this word means, that uh, it's the act of removing one's knowledge from the forefront of one's mind, intentionally or unintentionally. You wouldn't do that. You, you love your children. And yet, it's possible for mothers, for people who have children, if we could say it that way, that, that maybe that maternal instinct is there, but the devil gets into it and he begins to work against that, begins to pervert womanhood and motherhood until a woman might forget her child. And yet God said, I'll never forget you. Yes. I, I, your name's engraved on the palms of my hands. Yes. And I'm so glad we have a God like that. Yes. So now, uh, here it's possible for a woman, a mother, though she's born with that mothering instinct to forget, to forget her own children. And that mothering instinct is so strong. If you watch little, watch my little niece last night, she had a, uh, she had a little baby doll and she's mothering that little baby and she's not even two years old I believe and she's mothering that baby. There's something about it. You know, us men, when a baby's born, we don't hardly know how to hold them. But there's something about a little girl that she knows how to do that. There's just something born in her that she knows how to take care of children. She knows, I believe that's why mothers generally, not always, but generally cook better than, than dads do. It's because they, they have a care for it. They're, they're interested in it. Uh, my mother loves to cook, but I think most of all, my mother loved her children. And so because she loves her children, that causes her to want to feed them. And that's why your mom, when you go home, you know, and you come into mom's house and, and, uh, and she always asks you, have you had anything to eat? And are you hungry? And she's just constantly there trying to feed you, trying to give you something to drink. Why do moms do that? It's, that? it's that instinct to be a mother, to care, to have compassion. And that comes from God. And I want to make that clear this morning. That's not something that society, as they would say today, well, it's just an expectation that society has. No, it's an instinct that comes from God. Yes, sir. God placed that in a mother that she would be able to do that and, and want to do that. And, right. and we honor that today. And yet, again, it is possible for a mother to forget her baby. I guess the most stark example of that would be abortion. Where... Since the, I know it's been in the news lately that Roe versus Wade, the court case before the Supreme Court that allowed legal abortion, since that time more than 60 million babies have been aborted in this country. 60 million. That the, their mothers chose not to have them. And so a mother can forget her baby. And you can even, it's incomprehensible to some of us to think, how could that be? And I look not just at that, but how children are raised anymore. And I look at it and think, how could you have a child yeah. and leave it in that condition? 
And it's dirty and it's hungry. If you've ever worked, I know some that work in the school systems, they know there's children that are left out in the cold practically and they send them to school and they don't have nothing to eat and they have parents that don't care about them and they get into all kinds of things. My children tell me stories about the children that they associate with at school and how that their parents don't care what kind of movies they watch or they don't care what kind of television they watch. They don't care what they do on their phones. They don't care what they do on any other area of their life. And so the child are just left to fend for themselves and even so far as to actively work against it. I've told you before but Melody told me a story about a girl in her class that she was talking to her about the Lord and witnessing his children will to one another and, and she said the little girl told her, said, well my family had a Bible. She said, I, I got a Bible one time from school. They send them, they put them in backpacks that they give to children and she said, I got a Bible and brought it home and said my parents found me with it and told me to get rid of it. You can imagine what kind of a mother would do that. What kind of a father would do that. Yeah. And I, I know it's a little bit heavy this morning, but I want to bring it around. I'm building towards a positive spiritual application this morning. But, you know, even reversing Roe versus Wade and making it, making it where the states could decide whether it was legal or illegal to have abortions, that wouldn't stop abortion. Right? It, it would continue on. And even in Brother Brandon's time, he said there were more than 30,000 a week in Chicago before it was ever legal. Years before. And, and, but now you see that they're wanting to make it legal. And, and you have the strange spectacle of women who could be mothers protesting for the right to continue murdering their children. What kind of an age do we live in? If God would not, would not uh, forgive Sodom and Gomorrah for what they did, how could he ever uh, forgive this nation? Yeah. And I would say that this nation is gone. It's been invaded by the devil, by demonic thought. But yes. thank God for a bride yes, that's sir. on the earth today. Thank God for the people of God that still have that, that, that reality of a mother instinct, of a father instinct in their lives, that they can yes. still act according to the word. There's still a people on the earth. Aren't you glad for that today? But people would protest for the right. I know that's heavy to hear on Mother's Day, but it ought to make you even more thankful for a godly mother. That there would be some who would, who would actively work for the right to kill their babies. And, and the Bible says, woe unto them that call evil good. And good evil, make it legal. Say, well, it doesn't matter if it's legal or not. It does matter. Those that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. They value the wrong things. And yet abortion is not the only sign that motherhood is broken today. Motherhood is more than having children. All of you mothers could say amen to that this morning. It's more than just having a child, but it's raising a child. And I know a few of you perhaps have been adopted and, and you were adopted into a family where you had a mother, but it wasn't your birth mother, but it was someone who raised you. And that's mother to you. That's mom. Because she raised you and, and, and she brought you up. We're given the example uh, of Moses in the scriptures that when he was a little boy, it was his mother who gave him his instruction. It was a godly mother who took little Moses on her knees and, and said Moses and taught him all and she said, now these things, Moses, someday you're going to deliver the children of Israel. You're the boy that's called. I think that's important for us to put that before our children. You're a child of God. 
you're different from the world. And you know, they may go out and they may leave and they may, they may go out in the world and do all kinds of things. But they'll always have that in their heart because mother placed that in them and said, you're special. Yes. You were called for something special. You're not like everybody else. You're the one God called. Amen. To be his child. And we get that many times from our mother when we're little. And so she told Moses, you're the boy that's called. Keep yourself pure and unspotted from the world for you're the one. No other place do we know where he ever went to any seminary, any teaching at all he ever got. He stayed right in Pharaoh's palace, which was the heathen. But his mother taught him. I think if there were more mothers that taught their children today, we wouldn't have to worry so much about the public schools. I realize the public schools are bad. But my kids have went to public school all of their life, I guess. But they had a mom at home. And whatever you do, whether you homeschool them or send them to public school, make sure you teach them on, on your knee. Amen. When they're little. His mother taught him. He said, that's a real mother. She taught him the precepts of the Lord. She told him how he must be holy. She told him how and what he must live and what God must do would do for him. And it stuck with Moses all the days of his life. And any good, true, loyal mother that will take her little babies, instead of sending them to picture shows and dances and so forth like that, she'll put them on her lap and teach them about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so glad I had a mother like that. And if you did, I'm sure you could say amen to that today. It makes a difference in your life. And yet there's other kinds of mothers. There was a mother in the scripture named Herodias who had a daughter and we know the story how that John Baptist was there in the prison. And, and she, was, she hated him because he told her, he, he spoke the truth, he spoke the word, said it's not lawful for, for you to be married to Herod. And he spoke that to the king, and the king put him in jail. But the king was afraid to kill him. And she wanted him dead. And so she went to her daughter, and she taught her daughter to dance so that she would gain the favor of men. Her young daughter was taught to dance in such a way so that the king, she would gain the favor of the king. And then when she did that, she instructed her daughter. The Bible says she being before instructed of her mother, when the king asked you, what do you want? I want John Baptist's head in a charger yeah. or on a platter. Yeah. What kind of a mother would, would use and manipulate her daughter? I know it's a little bit heavy this morning, but we'll get past it in a minute but would use and manipulate her daughter to actually put her out there before men so that she could, she could try to satisfy whatever bitterness she had towards the preacher, if you could say it that way, and try to do away with her. But you know what? I'm so glad that we have Christian mamas that won't do that, that will refuse to do that. But Branham told us that there were 70 offspring of this woman of Herodias who were either prostitutes or on the gallows that we found in history. Her family fell apart because she was the mother that taught hers the things of the world. But the Bible said one mother taught hers the things of the world. The other mother taught hers the things of God. One become a great leader and a conqueror is immortal among men today, speaking of Moses. The other is debauched and in hell and taken thousands times thousands with her. And I would say today is, as again, we're moving towards something today, but just to lay a foundation here to show you that motherhood is broken. We see that every day. We see it every day. I see mothers who their children will tell them no. And they'll just let them do whatever they want to. You don't care about the child. I see them where they'll... 
go to the store and buy. And I always wonder, as, as we pick up our kids every day from school, and I look at the children, the way that they're dressed, I think, did mamas really dress their children like that? Are you with me this morning? Yeah. I don't mean to be, to be rude on a Mother's Day, but, but I look at it and think, did you really dress your little girls? One thing for a grown woman, she has a choice how she wants to dress. She can buy her own clothes. But here's your little daughter, 8, 9, 10 years old, and you've dressed her in such a way that, that you have to turn your head to look at her. That's a mother putting her daughter out in front of men, teaching them to sin. God help us that we would never do that. And I noticed that some of the same women who protest abortion would train their daughters to dress before men in such a way that they'll be, before they get married, they'll end up in a relationship living together and have no expectation of getting married. No expectation to have kids with one and then move on to another and train their daughters in that way and yet protest against abortion. Some of the same women. I have a, I have a problem with that. Being a mother is not just, raised, not just having a child, yes. but it's raising a child. Yes. But what's happened is, and the people are blinded, they don't mean to be that way. I'm convinced many people, they, don't, they just don't see it because the word of God's not open to the people. Yes. They, they just don't see what's going on, and so they don't, they, don't, they don't mean to do that necessarily, but they look at it, and it's just the way the culture is. Why? Because the United States, and I believe the entire world, but here in the United States, we've been invaded. Yes. And Brother Branham preached that in a, in a sermon called The Invasion of the USA on Mother's Day in 1954. And he said this, he said he set up his headquarters over here in Hollywood. The devil landed a few years ago, 15 or 20 years ago, went hid in Hollywood, California. And he has invaded the United States with his demon powers. He said, all our fashions come from Paris. They get it in Hollywood onto the screens. These little girls and little boys and things get out here. They watch them screen plays. Nice little kiddies, fine little fellows, nothing against them. God bless their little hearts. He said, my heart bleeds for them. And right here in the city, I was talking to my boy the other day. He said, Daddy, if there was just some boys around there in town that had the Holy Ghost. He said, and so forth. You wonder why I was getting away to Denver, Colorado or something like that. He was going to take a trip and get away from Jeffersonville. He said, get my children somewhere where there's a bunch of people who cry out to God. Well, I want to have a, a place like that where the kids can go to. Somewhere where there's a bunch of people who cry out to God. In spite of the nation that's been invaded by the devil, let us be somewhere. Let's be a safe place. Listen, moms and dads, make your home a safe place. Make your home a safe place for your children, for your grandchildren. A place that has not been invaded. Yes. They may have invaded Hollywood. They may have invaded New York. They may have invaded Hardy, Arkansas. But they've not invaded my home because my home has the token on the door. Yes. When the death angel come into the land, what did they do? They put the token on the door and you and I are to have the token on display today. Are you with me this morning? Yes, sir. The token on display where the people can come in, where our families can come in. And there's a place where people cry out to God for what we need. He said, the political world is gone. Don't look for politics for your salvation. It's never going to happen. Oh, you might have one that would be better than another one you could vote for over another. Sure, there might be some who are for godly principles, biblical principles, some who are not. But yet, it'll never be the salvation of this nation. It's going to keep getting worse. And the conservatives will get more liberal. And the liberal will get more liberal. And it'll keep getting worse and worse. It never gets better, does it? It never turns back the other way. Why? The invasion has come in. Yes. The invasion many years ago, decades ago, the invasion come into the USA and it's taken over. Right. Huh? It's taken over. 
And there was nothing. The people would, would not stay on the word. They were not in revival so that they would recognize it and defeat it. Yes. And so they fall into it. So now, he said the political world is gone. Our nation is broke. And I don't think he just meant financially. But the nation is broke morally. Yes. And we see that today. The nation is broken. It's broken. It's beyond. It's just the people don't even think morally anymore. Yes. Don't even think appropriately. And even you see what people wear, what people do, what they, what they allow their children to do. And you look at it and, and it just shake, makes you shake your head because you think it's broken. They don't have any sense of what's right and wrong. But, oh, God, that we'd have a generation of people today, of people that can hear the word of the Lord and say, that's what I want. Not because somebody's making me do it. Not because I'm part of some cult somewhere that makes me dress a certain way. But because the word of God is still true. Yes. Amen. And what he said is still right. Yes, sir. But this nation is broke. It's broke. He said, you remember that. Brother Branham said that. Thus saith the Lord. He said, our nation is demolished. He puts two words together, demolished and abolished. I think it's a good word. It's demolished. It'll never rise. She is gone like all the rest of the nations. It's the greatest nation in the world standing today. Yeah. The best of a bad law. You'll find that out if you go overseas still. You travel very much, you'll find out this is the best nation. You can't wait to get back to it. And yet the very seed of the devil has been planted in the hearts of the people. It's the greatest nation, but also the most ungodly. Think about it. We're democracy and we're, where we have freedom of religion and an ability to come and, and preach. And I'm so thankful for that. But also where the, the seeds of Hollywood and the seeds of the devil has come into Hollywood and into the people. And to the point where the people don't even know right from wrong. They have no clue they can be persuaded by any demagogue that comes along to just follow whatever they say because they don't have any, any standard. They don't have any, any kind of an anchor. Yes. But I'm so glad we have an anchor today. Yes. I'm so glad we have an anchor that keeps us still in a world that's full of chaos. Yes. Brother Branham said how it got into people and began to this. You can't tell them nothing. She's gone. She's invaded. And the spirit of communism has took over. Everybody said, well, we don't want to be communists. We don't want to vote for, for that party because they're communists. But the spirit of communism yes, took over years ago. Well, what is that? A spirit of anarchy. A spirit, a spirit that does not believe in God. Yes. And they got a little old social gospel standing there. Brother Branham talked about the schools and the different things that went on there and the horrible things. He said they got a little old social gospel standing there where preachers stand and talk about little petty things. Yes. I'm so glad we don't just stand and talk about petty things. Yeah. They make you feel good, but we don't do that. We deal with reality today. Yes. We deal with reality. We're dealing with the hearts of men and women to try to make you come to a place of repentance. Listen, or, or to draw you to come to a place of repentance. He said preachers stand and talk about little petty things, little bitty stories of the Bible or something like that instead of preaching repentance and bringing men and women to the altar. Yes. I believe we still need that today. And just as an example, you know, if we look at the way people dress and allow their children to dress, and Brother Branham had to deal with that, and we always have to deal with that in the next generation, even among our girls. And I've got two girls, and I have to deal with this as well. Brother Branham had two girls at home, Becky and Sarah, at this time. He said, I'm, I'm certainly against some little old skin-tight dresses. He said, I constantly fuss at my kids, Becky and Sarah. I don't care how little they are. I just fuss at them all the time. Why would you fuss at a little child over, over a dress that was too tight or too short? Well, the reason why when these were not little bitty children. I'm talking about toddlers. They were nearly teenagers or teenagers at that time. But the reason why you'd fuss at children for that is because you, what you teach them is what they'll do. 
right? And what you teach them to wear is what they'll wear. Right? And so he said, Mita takes Becky apart every day about her dresses plumb up, and, and you go look through the message and, and you think about it whenever, uh, and you know, and, and a woman knows, because when you sit down and you can't cover your knees, and the dress won't cover your knees, and you start pulling it down, you feel self-conscious, because men notice it. Boy, I'm going to get myself in trouble today. But men notice that when it's above the knees. It's just the, tr the truth of it. And, and you always have to pull on it. And, and so we teach our children, our girls, don't, don't wear shirts like that. You can just wear them a little bit longer. So you, can, so you can be able to not have to do that. Wear them a little bit looser. And then you can be pretty. You don't have to be some aunt or, or old uh, woman out there somewhere and, and that, that, that looks like you come out of the 1940s and out, out, of, out of the backwoods of Hardy somewhere. You don't have to look like that. But you can look like a, a decent, godly girl. You know what I found out? My girls, when they went to school, that the other girls, especially when they were younger, wanted to be like them. They, they, they would always come to them, and the girls, and wherever the, my girls went to school, there were other girls that would start wearing dresses. Not many, but a few of them would want to wear dresses because my girls wore dresses. And they thought how pretty that was. They weren't old enough to, to have been cankered by the world that we live in today. But they should be taught to look like girls. I'm just using that as an example because motherhood is broken and it's broken womanhood. And it's broken down to the children until little bitty girls and growing up even around the church, if you say anything about it, you're, you're evil. But the Bible had a lot to say about it. But look, some people have just never been taught. And that's our responsibility. But Brother Brown said, kids, you can expect that in kids and you have to correct them. But when it comes to a woman, there's something wrong there. And so we should look at that and say, what does the word teach me? And that's not my job to tell you how long it should be or, or, or whether you should have sleeves or not. Look to the word and get the Holy Ghost. Right? And that will be taken care of. I'm moving through this. We'll be done with this part in a minute. Motherhood is broken. Boys, that's why boys look like they do. And it's broken to the point where it don't even, it's beyond that. You know, we deal with that in church. But what they're dealing with in the world is, is my child a boy or a girl? Well, I don't know till they tell me. <laughs> That's my job as a parent is to determine what my child, and, it don't, and, and to, to place him in the right path. The worst possible thing I could do for them is let them make their own decisions when they're five about what their gender is. It's cruelty. <laughs> it's cruelty. And yet most girls will have that maternal instinct. Most boys will have the paternal instinct. But you know what changes them? What makes them want to be uh, uh, all uh, changing a boy into a girl and a girl into a boy? It's the culture that we live in. Yeah. And they can say what they want to. Oh, we're not going to let them decide. Actors and actresses today, we're going to let them decide what they're going to be. Well, you know what's deciding for them? TV is. Yeah. Hollywood is. Yeah. The school is. Yeah. Right? That's right. Let's, let's our, let our boys be boys. Yes, so it's not just the girls, but boys should be taught to look like boys. Yeah. And girls should be taught to look like girls. But we don't do that because it's broken. Motherhood is broken. And Brother Branham said, that's the backbone of the nation. Yeah. You break motherhood, you broke the nation right then. Yes. Now I want to move this away and, and talk about spiritual motherhood for a moment. Spiritual motherhood is broken. Yeah. It's okay if I take this off. I'm... Sweating like a pig up here today. Maybe because I'm about as big as one. 
I can joke about myself. It's okay. And you can laugh. You won't hurt my feelings a bit. Now look. Something about this time of year. It's just humid. Hot. Now look. I can't imagine. We're, we're planning on going uh, on a mission trip this year to a place that's, that's a desert. And in the middle of the summer, what in the world am I doing? I can't handle the heat. But let's look at spiritual motherhood for a moment. Because as a church, we're typed as a mother. In Revelation 17, 5, you find a great church. And upon her forehead, and you can go read the rest of the chapter later, and it'll kind of place what she is. And It said, was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots. So she's a mother. She's identified as a mother. But she's the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. And she is a church. She sits on seven hills. She's a church. And so spiritual motherhood, if we can say it that way, is broken. Because, again, like I said, you know, it's not just to have children, but to care for those children. Right? To have children and then to care for those children. Now, what are we doing as a church? We're called to birth the word or to have a birth of the word in our lives. And to care for that, to, to graze it up, to, to have the word in its proper place in our lives, just like Mary. Now think about it for a moment. When Mary had Jesus, she was not called just to, just to be a, a surrogate mother that would come in and have the baby. And we focus on that a lot, how, how that she was there in the manger at Christmas time. We look at that. But she didn't just have the baby in the manger and leave him there. And he wasn't so much God. Now listen to me. I love how God come to the earth, come down on our level. He wasn't so much God that he didn't need a mother. Right? And I mean in the natural sense. But he so, he so lowered himself that he come down. God manifested himself in flesh. Come down become a, a germ in the womb of Mary. And then when he was grow into a baby, he actually was born. And when he was born, he needed his mother. He was completely dependent on his mother. And to her, which she was a type of the church today, she was responsible for keeping him alive. Now that's a great responsibility. You think about your children and how you were responsible, but you don't know who they're going to be. You think about that. That that child, they might turn out to be, uh, God forbid, be in prison somewhere. God forbid that they would, but they might also turn out to be president of the United States. You don't know. They might also turn out to be a preacher. Which I, someone told me the other day, it's a higher office than president of the U.S. And I'll say that it is. Maybe not mine so much as these other brothers. But, but, but there is a, something they could turn out to be. A helper, a deacon, a mother. A godly mother. They could turn out to be a great person. Yeah. Right? And you don't know. And so you're given this child and you have to nurture them and care for them. And Mary was given the word. Yeah. Sure. Now think about it for a minute. She was given the word. And then she had to let it grow. And she had to watch it. And it played in front of her. And she watched it so it didn't run off in the woods. Right? So he didn't run off in the woods and get hurt. And she she nursed his wounds. Because he was a man. Right? She took care of him. She put band-aids on his owies. Right? Just like you do. Just like you mothers do. She was taking care of the word. And as a church... I hope we understand the spiritual application as we turn this today now towards the end of it. As we begin to look at the church and our responsibility. What, what responsibility do we have? We have the word. Yes, It's been placed in our care. Yes. Other people don't care about it. Yes. 
Uh, there's many others that don't care about it. But as for the Malachi, as the word, we've been, we, it's been placed into our care. And we've got to have that instinct as a church yes. to mother it. Yes. To take care of it. To keep it pure. Yes. Oh, uh, I'm sure she made sure that Jesus played with the right kind of kids. She made sure that he went in the right places and he didn't get caught up in the wrong place. You understand? He never sinned. Yeah. Right? He was God in flesh. I'm sure he was a good kid, but he was human. Yeah. Flesh. And she made sure that Jesus went to the right places. And I'm sure there were times she cried and she prayed. There was a time she even lost him. You remember? She lost him and she left him in Jerusalem because sometimes good mothers make mistakes. It's okay. But always come back to the word. Yes, sir. Huh? Where do you go back to it at? The place where you left it. Yes. <laughs> Good mothers make mistakes many times. But that doesn't mean they're not a mother. And she made a mistake. She left him. She wasn't watching him like she should have been. He was 12 years old. And she found him at the temple because he was the word. Oh, as a church, we need to keep our eyes on the word. Not on what another church is doing. Not on what the world's doing. Let's keep our eye on the word. We have a responsibility. Amen. But this, this Roman church, this mystery Babylon that sat on seven hills, they didn't do that. They got their eyes on other lovers. Uh, and couldn't be a mother to children of God, but become a mother of denominations. Uh, and unbiblical doctrines that come out of the bottomless pit. Well, the Branham speaking of how womanhood and motherhood is broken, and he deals with that. In invisible union of the bride of Christ. He said she characters herself out here with a pair of shorts on, skin tight, men's clothing and things on the street twisting around. No matter what she says, she might be as virtuous to her husband as she can be. But in the sight of God, she's an adulteress. Because the scripture said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And she presented herself to be that. Now think spiritually now. He said that's exactly what the church has done with the world. Yes. She presented herself as open. Today we have seeker sensitive churches. Open to whatever the people are. Yeah. You just come as you are, stay as you are, be as you are. But that's not the gospel. Right. Yeah. The gospel is come in a sinner. Right. Come in hurting. Come in broken. Yeah. But when you when you come in, you may be a sinner, but you won't leave one if you give yeah. your life to Christ. Yes, You'll leave redeemed. Yes. If you, when you come in, you may be broken, but you can leave whole. Yes. When you come in, you may be hurting, but you can leave healed. Yes. That's what the gospel does. It doesn't leave you in your condition, but it changes you into a better place. Yeah. Amen. So he said, I'm speaking how it can get away. When you get to mixing up with the world, the church, and all the fashions and things that we have, and he speaks of the church, he said, we're no more like the original Pentecost was than day is from night. We've drifted off somewhere into some dark chaos somewhere and lost. What a sacred trust. What a responsibility to a woman. He said she's a type of the church which has the same responsibility. And a woman, as a woman has a sacred responsibility to her motherhood, to her virtues, to her husband, the church has a sacred responsibility to prayer. Yes. Yes. Oh, God. A sacred responsibility to prayer. That's not just a few words now and then over a meal. But it's my responsibility, if I love him, to pray. If I want to keep my, my sacred responsibility, my virtues to Christ, is to pray and to the Word. Yeah, sure. That's why we give the Word the preeminence in the service. Yeah, 
Right? Not because it's me talking or one of these other brothers, but because our sacred responsibility as a church is to the Word and to Christ, just the same as the woman has. And as a woman drifts off with another man, oh God, when the church goes off in these institutional programs, building programs and schools and so forth, he said, I have nothing against them. They're all right. They serve their purpose. But Jesus never said, go make schools. He said, preach the Word. That's where they neglect it. He said, not make institutions, hospitals, and so forth. Them is all right. But that's not the church's duty. Their duty is to preach the gospel. He said, but we've done everything else but that. Yes. Look, in, in Jude 3, it talks about it, how that they begin to drift away. He said, and I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. This was just a few years yes. after Pentecost. They got their eye on somebody else. They got their eye on the world and the power that would come with it. We don't need to get our eyes on power. As preachers, we don't need to get our eyes on power. As a church, we don't need to get our eyes on political power. Well, if we come in and we can growl enough people, we can take over the city of Hardy, whatever that would get you. <laughs> but we don't get our eyes on political power. That's not my job. It's not my job to get into politics. It's not my job. My job is to give attendance to prayer and to preaching the word. Right? Your job is to give attendance to prayer and to hearing the word. Are you with me now? Because that's what our salvation, that's what our, 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 our love for Christ, everything is based on that. Those are the things he told us to do. That's our sacred trust. He said, nevertheless, I have someone against thee in Revelation 2, 4, speaking of that first age. He said, you've left your first love. (laughs) Very quickly they left and become a Roman church. Roman ideas. Amen. He said, you left that love that you once had for them good old-fashioned Holy Ghost meetings. Well, I pray the Lord, I know it's Mother's Day, but I pray the Lord would speak to hearts today. You used to love to go to church, but you left that love. And you begin to kind of slide backwards into formal, come in with our Father, nonsense. The fervent desire to please God. The passion to know His Word. The cry for reaching out in the Spirit. All begins to fade. Instead of that church being on fire with the fire of God, it's cooled off. Become a bit formal. Yes. Just like it would happen with a, with a wife and her husband. Yes. Think about it. <laughs> He's made every overture. He sent messengers. He sent prophets. He'd come every way that he could. You can't blame him. Well, somebody said that when we were young, he said, we used to ride together in a truck. He said, we'd ride on the front seat. Used to be trucks had just a, a bent seat, usually on the front. That We'd ride on the front seat together. He said, and now we ride far apart. A woman was telling her husband that, kind of complaining about it. He said, well, I didn't move. <laughs> but there's a lot of truth to that. God didn't move. If our love's not what it used to be, if we're not as passionate about the gospel as we used to be, if we begin to do things and, and wear things and, and allow our children to do things that we didn't used to do, it hasn't, it's not God that changed. That's right. Yes, sir. Oh, God. He didn't change. We change. But if we change, if he's still your husband today, if, he's still, if he, he still has a love for you, then you have an ability to love him back. Yeah. You can come back to him. Yeah. And he'll take you back. Amen. But the parents said, notice what she loves. Watch her lover. You want to see who she is in love with? The word says this, but my church says this. 
then who is she in love with? Who is her husband? Her own fruits prove what she is. Refuse. Now look at this spiritual woman now. The spiritual church refuses to bear children. Just like the ones we talked about today. Motherhood is broken. They want to do away with the babies. Abort the babies. The median age now for having children. I'm not telling you how old you have to be to have children. I'm not saying anything about that. But the median age now for having children is 30, I believe. The median age. Most children are born now to people in their 30s and 40s. Because when they're young, they want to have time to do what they want to do. And go get a career in things. And I'll say, again, nothing wrong with that. But I'll tell you what, I'm so proud of some of you young mothers that have started families young. And have raised families young. And you're proving to the world that it can be done. And that there's a job that's more important than the job that you have if you have one. There's a job that's more important than, than going out to some factory making money. Or going out to some office and making money. But there's a job that you have with your children. Yeah. Are you with me now? Yeah. And you're proving to a, a society that's lost its moral compass. That's been invaded by the devil. Yeah. You're proving to them that there's some, there's some Christian ladies that will still care for their children. But this church refused to bear children for their spiritual husband, Christ, because they're too busy flirting with the things of the world. But the Bible said, if a woman won't have a baby for her husband, she'll take a dog or a cat or something. Boy, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> She's got to, my, my, my daughter loves, my oldest daughter loves dogs. She just absolutely loves dogs. But, but here, he said, she, she got to mother something that she's not old enough to be a mother. Won't be for probably 20 more years. So, <laughs> lay that in there. As a dad, you know. <laughs> she got to mother something. That's one thing for a young, a, a young person to want to have a dog or, or something, to want to mother something. It's her nature. But to do that and to, and to refuse to bear a child for her husband, but to bear a child for her husband and raise it to the service of God, that's entirely out of her line. So again, not just having the baby, but raise it for the service of God. He said, oh, she'd be so disgraced if she did by her sin-loving society of this 1965. How old does that sound? Think about it. That's a long time ago. And a prophet looking into the future described our world. There's an ethical question you can ask yourself, and I want you to think deeply about this. An ethical question. If your dog, who you loved, had been with you for years, your loyal dog, and a random stranger, or just a random stranger, he could be a serial killer, he could be anything, if they were both out in the ocean or in a pond or in a lake drowning, which one would you save? Think about it. It would be immoral to choose the dog. Well, I'm going to get myself in trouble. But this is just basic life stuff. It would be immoral to choose the dog. My daughter kind of disagrees with me on this. but It would be immoral to choose the dog over the human. Because they're human. Right? We live in a world where that's changed. Where you, uh, you would get in more trouble putting your dog on a chain than you would a human. And people can raise their kids any way they want to. And I watch some of them come in Walmart sometimes. And you're going through Walmart, you see some funny things. I like to watch people. See them come in Walmart and they're knocking their kids around right in public. Kids aren't dressed. Where, where's the social service? Where's the people supposed to take care of this? These kids, obviously, there's drugs in the home. 
There's problems in the home. And you look at that and think, how in the world? And they got alcohol on their breath, stumbling to Walmart, buying stuff for themselves, buying alcohol, to taking care of that kid. And you think, where is the parents? Yeah. <laughs> if you did a, that to a dog, you'd get in trouble. Yeah. God, I, I pray God gets a hold of us today. Yeah. But that would never slip into the church. Yeah. <laughs> Children matter. Children matter. Yes, you have a pet, and I believe they'll be in heaven. Praise God. You know, you have a pet that you love and everything that you love and all they ever loved you. I understand all of that, but that child is more important. Yes. Listen, but that's the way the church is going. They make the important thing the program. The important thing is the building. The important thing is the money or the suit that the pastor wears or the priest wears. The important thing is the form and the ceremony. And they forgot to mother the word. Yes. <laughs> Listen, Brother Brandon said it's a true picture of the modern church today. Neither does the modern church want any of these here screaming, shouting, tongue speaking, Acts yeah. 2.38 youngins around her. Yeah. She don't want any of them whooping and crying and screaming. Amen. Hallelujah. Why such a child would immediately put her out of her denomination. He said they had one like that in one of the churches. Why he'd throw, they'd throw her out right quick. Why are you letting such stuff as this go along? You see, she's pregnant with something because she's bringing forth members all the time. But she don't want none of them screaming, hollering, blabbering, Acts 238, miserable creatures. She thinks they are. It would certainly embarrass her. It would ruin her. And her educated, ethical, scientific society church that she belonged to here, they would throw her out at the next council. She can't have it. Listen, you might be embarrassed by it, but there's only one way to be born, and that's through a mess. Yes, sir. Every birth is a mess. You were born in a mess naturally, and you're gonna, it's going to be a mess when you're born spiritually. You've got to die to yourself. Yes. There's a death that takes place, and then a birth, yes. and there's a messy thing that goes on. You might, have, you might cry, you might weep, you might shout, no matter what you do, but it's not in that, but it's the fact that there's a birth taking place. Yes. Yes. Amen. But you don't want that. She don't want births. She's too busy taking care of other things. She don't want to be pregnant with the Word. Because that's the only kind, he said, that the word can bring forth. Oh, my. Born of the spirit of God. It has the spirit of God in it. No intellectual church joining creed going bobbed hair, painted face. There's no such thing as that in it, all of it. He said, you don't find that in the word of God. You find an old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled child born of the spirit of God. Well, I hope we have a few of them in here this morning. Born of the spirit of God, screaming, hollering, shouting, praising God. He said, that's altogether out of the reach for her. She don't want that. Yes, that's right. Why motherhood broken. But the Bible says in Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years. <laughs> everything that the canker worm, the locust, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, everything that was taken away by that Roman system, everything that's been lost by the invasion. Are you with me today? He said, I will restore it. You see, motherhood is a scriptural principle. Beginning in the Garden of Eden, and the promise was that the woman's seed would bruise the head of the serpent. You see, without a mother, there could never be a savior. That's why it's so important, why we protect it so so. So, so tightly. Why we want our girls to raise up untouched by the world and the things of the world. We want them to be right. And yes, they'll make mistakes. But it's a word that restores us back. Yes. Are you with me now? It, it's a scriptural principle. There had to be a mother to have a savior. That's why Satan hates it so much. 
1 Timothy 2.12 says, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence, for Adam was first formed and then Eve. He said, Brother Ben, that's hard, but look, why? Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. But go on, notwithstanding. Oh, I love this. Because she was in the transgression, she had to be the, the, the thing that God would work through yes. to bring about redemption. Yes. He couldn't do that through Adam alone. Are you with me now? It had to be a mother. And that's the redemption that he's bringing, the final full redemption. And this hour of the bride comes to the rapture of the church. How does it come? Yes. Through the bride. Yes. Are you with me now? Yes. Hallelujah. She produces a rapture. Right? Think about it. It's in you already. Yes. It comes through the mother. He said, notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing. If they continue in faith and charity and a holiness with sobriety. Now the Catholic Church takes that that she's saved by having kids. But that's not what this means. She's saved by childbearing. Not by having a baby makes her saved. But because she's raising children. Doing her duty. Not raising cats, dogs, and what more to take the place of the child as they do today. Now watch. And again, take it back to Mary. Mary was nursing her own salvation. She was saved in childbearing. If we could make it just elementary, elementary where it would apply to men and women, you're saved by, by believing the word and by doing it. Yes. Are you with me now? You're saved by believing the word and by doing it, by being a mother. You never thought about that. But you're working out your own salvation with fear and trembling just by living. And I recognize that the blood of Christ has to come in you to want to do that. And there has to be the spirit of God to want to do that. You'll never do it on your own. But you mothers that are in church and maybe you're sitting in the nursery today and you're sitting by, you struggle with your kids all the time and you think, what am I doing? I, I, I can't even hear half of the sermon. I don't understand what's going on. Do you realize what you're doing? Yes. You're raising by doing what God called you to do as a mother, by being what God called you to be as a mother. You're raising, you're nursing your own salvation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. And who had more impact? Someone said... Thomas Edison, you know, someone was commenting. He said, well, boy, you've had a great, such a great impact on science. And he said, who had more impact, me or my mother? He said, because when I was a child, the teacher sent me home and said, this boy is dumb. He'll never be able to learn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my. But his mother said, he's not dumb. I'll teach him myself. Yeah. And she taught him and brought him up. And he became the inventor of the light bulb. And so many things that we take for granted in this modern society today. Who was greater? Listen, the one that nursed him. Oh, God. By just doing what you do. You see, the gospel isn't some great thing somewhere. But just by doing what you do, you're working out your own salvation. You're living out the acts of Jesus Christ on the earth. Oh, my. Not just when you go to meetings. Not just when you go, not just when you're in church even, but when you're at home washing the dishes. Men or women, by the way. (laughs) We'll be egalitarian. We'll we'll just spread that all around. (laughs) When you're at home washing the dishes, if you're helping your wife, or you're the one that's doing it all the time, if I put it that way, you're working out your salvation. When I take my wife and do something for her for Mother's Day, and my wife, Mother's Day and our anniversary and our, uh, her birthday all comes up within a few days of each other. And so what I do, usually I'll take her somewhere, and I'm going to take her uh, to Jonesboro maybe and do some shopping and stuff. I'm working out my salvation. Because yeah. I can't preach without a wife. Yeah. Sure can't pastor. Yeah. 
Huh? Are you hearing me? It's that simple. When you men go to work, and you work with your hands, work out in the field, work on the tractors, work, at, work in the factory, you're working out your own salvation. Because he said a man that don't work shouldn't eat. And a man that won't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. That's right. And so it's not just, not by just having a baby made her saved, but because she was a mother. Oh my, and simply by doing your duty, you're working out your salvation. But I want to tell you this morning that motherhood has been restored by the message of the hour. Yes. Malachi 4 did his job. Yes. He said, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, and the heart, or the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Yes. There had to be a restoration. Amen. A heart turning. Not a head turning, but a heart turning. Right. Look at Ephesians 5.25. It said, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. He said, here's how you're supposed to love your wife. As Christ loved the church and gave himself, you give yourself sacrificially to your wife. You gave yourself, he gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. Listen, motherhood restored means you, he restores the potential, your potentials to be pure again so he can marry you. He couldn't do that with you as a sinner. You were lost, you were outside the economy of God, but he comes himself. Yes. With his sacrificial love and produces a way through the blood so that you can come back. You you thought this was a hard sermon this morning, but it's not. Listen, if you've fallen from your place as a son or daughter of God, there's a way back. Christ has to marry a bride with her sacred virtues intact. How's he going to do that? Because we're all born in sin. We're all shaping in iniquity. How's he going to marry a bride who's clean and pure and a virgin spiritually speaking? How's he going to marry a bride like that? He has to marry someone who he has washed, who he has cleansed. Hallelujah. Oh, my. I was not eligible to be his wife. I can't even say that word. I was not eligible to be his wife. I had marred my spiritual virtue by sin, but he restored my eligibility. Oh, my. And made it as though I'd never done it. I want you to listen before I close to what he says about you and points directly to you now as the bride of Jesus Christ. As we close this Mother's Day service today, he says this is the opening of the seven seals. He says, I know it sounds strange to you, but God has vindicated it so perfectly. There's no question in it. And so he ties it back. What was it? The restoration of the word would come to bring a spiritual union between the bride and the bridegroom. He said, he, the bridegroom, took away your shame and put it in the sea of forgetfulness by the washing of the water of the word and the blood of life. Listen, as I'm skipping through this now, but I just want to get the main points to you. You are standing. If you're standing on God's word and with God's word, every amen, every jot, every tittle, where are you standing? If you're standing today, you're a mother doing to your best of your ability what you know to do by the word. If you're a father doing what you know to do by the word. If you're a person in the church doing, maybe you made many mistakes in the past. But you're standing today having been transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're doing everything you know to do. You're standing complete. Justified like you never did it in the first place. Hallelujah. You are the pure, virtuous, sinless bride of the Son of the living God. 
Oh my. Everybody today wants to tell you who you are. They say you should find out who you are. Find out who you are by what you think. Find out who you are by what you read. By what you see on TV. No. He says I'll tell you what you are. You are standing completely justified. You are the pure virtuous sinless bride of the son of the living God. He said every man and woman that's born of the spirit of God and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and believes every word of God stands as though you never sinned at the first place. You are perfect. Hear me today. The world may say you're not perfect. Even other people in the church might look at you and say you're not perfect. But that's what you was yesterday. But you come to God. I don't care if you were baptized last week. I don't care if you come to God a year ago or 30 years ago and you've made many mistakes maybe in your life. But you are perfect today. You are perfect. Oh, do we believe it today? He said, oh, that spiritual union of Christ in his church now. When the flesh is becoming word and the word is becoming flesh manifested, vindicated. Just what the Bible said would happen in this day. It's happening day by day. You never sinned at the first place. God don't even know. It's in the sea of forgetfulness. You never did it. You were accused of it by the accuser. But really from the beginning, you were predestinated to be a son and daughter of God. You are the virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. He said, you're standing there washed. Your old book of divorcement is put away. It's dead absolutely out of existence even in the mind of God. You're the virtuous bride of Christ, washed in the blood of Christ, precious, virtuous, sinless son of God, standing with a pure, unadulterated bride word that he washed by the water of his own blood. Quit letting the devil beat you up about who you are. Quit letting him make you what you were, what you were in your past life. But why don't you come to him today and say, this is what I am. Not because of something I did, but because the word has come to me. He is married me. He's washed me with his sacrificial love. He died for me and I can live for him now. Amen. You are the virtuous bride of Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. He washed you with the water of his own blood to become flesh and manifested that he might take you which were predestinated in the bosom of the Father before the beginning the same as he was. He was that great attribute of God called love. Whatever you are, you are servants of God. Whatever God wants you to do. Are you hearing me this morning? Where your place is. God placed in the church some apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors. He placed that by virtue of his own predestination. You were that to begin with. Your first wedding was annulled. You never done it in the first place. Pure, unadulterated, oh hallelujah, leaving soon for the skies, standing ready. Your garments washed by the water of the bleeding word. The word become blood. The word bled for you and you were washed in bleeding word. You're not only that, but you're going to the wedding in the sky. And you are wearing. Oh, he's not waiting to buy it for you. It's already bought. He's not waiting to give it to you. It's already been given. He's not waiting to put it on your finger. But he put already put it on your finger. My wife doesn't have to wonder whose husband she has, who's her, who her husband is, because years ago, I bought this at a pawn shop in West Plains. I bought, maybe I shouldn't admit that, I bought this ring, and I bought one for her, and I put it on her finger the day we got married, and it ain't ever come off. It's always been there. I gave it to her. I slipped it on her finger, and he, before, not when you were born, not when you did the wrong things, but before the world ever began, he slipped on you. You're wearing the wedding band of predestined and unmerited grace. A wedding band of grace, unmerited of your own. He knew you before the foundation of the world. So he slipped the wedding band on you there. He put your name on a book. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Musicians, go ahead and come. Listen to me. Let me read these to you. Just, just, just kind of bring it down. You're without shame. You are complete what we just read you are justified <laughs> Amen. 
You are pure. Quit letting the devil beat that out of you. Quit letting your mistakes take that away from you. If you're walking in the word today, walking under the, the influence of that word, walking, being washed by the water of the word, you are complete. You are justified. You're not waiting on a message to come. You believe the message. You're pure. You're sinless. Oh God, who can pronounce me sinless? People have lots of theories. But who can say that I'm sinless? Only God could do that. <laughs> and so he spoke. He come down. And, and he, he died for my sins. And he rose again on the third day. And after 2,000 years he came. And he spoke through a prophet. Malachi 4 at the end time to tell me. You're perfect. Yeah, right. You're sinless. Yeah, right. You're virtuous. Amen. You're predestined. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. You're washed. Amen. You are. Not you will be. You are. Who yes, oh, can you hear it this morning? Don't let that drag you down. I see new Christians many times. They'll come and say, well, yesterday I was this, yesterday I was that. But what are you today? What are you today? You come to God. You come to a, a, a water that can wash you. You come to a place that can change you. You come to a God who can make a real difference in your life. You've not come to a 12-step program. You've not come to a theory. You've not come to an idea. But you've come to a God who can make you as though you never did it in the first place. You are sinless. You are virtuous. You are perfect. You are predestined. You are washed. You are unadulterated. You are servants of the Most High God. You are placed in the church. Don't let the devil fight you in that position. You're placed there by God. Oh, God. You're ready to go. Go back and read the quotes when you get home. You're ready to go. Oh, God. Oh, my. He put his... He put his you can't miss the rapture. He put a wedding band on you back there. He said you were the bride. You're ready to go. You're going to the wedding, he said. You're wearing the wedding band of grace. Unmerited grace. <laughs> but Brother Ben, you don't know my past. Paul goes down something like I did this morning. And you know, Sometimes we talk about these things and people feel bad because they're identified maybe, maybe now, maybe in the past with some of those things. And it makes them feel bad. But Paul goes down the list of every sin you can think of in 1 Corinthians 6. But then he gets to verse 11. He said, and such were some of you. <laughs> oh, such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You've been pardoned. Yesterday I was under judgment. Yesterday I was not free. But today I am free. Today I am not a sinner. I am a sinless son or daughter of God. Oh my. Oh my. Bow your heads with me for a moment. Such were some of you. But you've been washed. If you've never been washed, today would be a good day. On Mother's Day begin to mother the word in your life to begin to care about it to have compassion for the word I don't, we don't believe what we believe because we don't have compassion on others we want the whole world to be saved because that's the attribute of God but we do what we do because we have compassion for the word we love the word because it was the word that bled for us the word that died for us the word is not just a letter but the word is a person See why you can't talk us out of that? 
You're never going to tell me Jesus isn't God because the Word in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word is a person. And the Word washed me from my sin. The Word has made me free. If you're not standing free today, would you just talk to Him? It only takes a moment. Just reach out to Him where you're at today and talk to Him. The altar's open if you want to come. But you can reach out to Him right where you are and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Let me know I've been washed by Your blood. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Let me have a desire to serve you all the days of my life. Some of you mothers here today, we honor you today. We thank you for what you've done. We thank you for how you've raised your kids. Maybe you've made some mistakes, though. You're thinking about those today, but listen, you are still the pure, unadulterated, mistake-free bride of Jesus Christ. You might make mistakes like Mary did, sometimes even with the Word, but you always come back to it. You always come back to it. And you, you can be pure today, justified as though you never did it in the first place. They all made mistakes with my kids. I was too strict or I was too easy. I did some things that you talked about this morning. Brother Ben, just, just say, Lord, forgive me and move on. Move on. You're still the pure bride of Jesus Christ. And God still honors you as a mother. What you've done in the past, you can't fix that. But you can let the healing power of God come in and heal not only you, but even the things, the mistakes that you made, and the, the ones who were the objects of those mistakes, I'm so glad that the healing power of God can come down and even heal that relationship where you've done or said things that you shouldn't have. And you, you've broken off relationship. You've been harsh, maybe where you shouldn't have been. Maybe some of you dads, maybe the same way. You think, well, I've, I've, I've messed up my family. I've done things that are wrong. Just let him come in and heal that relationship today. I believe he's here to do that for you today. Whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, when you have doubts and discouragements, just take him back to the word. I am the virtuous bride of Christ. I am a child of God. I am a believer. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for these, Lord, several. Lord, their hands raised. My hands are raised today in my heart. Lord, I want to be everything that you called me to be. Lord, help me to know that I'm placed. I'm called. I'm elected. I'm the virtuous bride of Jesus Christ. I've been restored to the abilities to be able to come and take care of the Word. Oh God, Lord, thank you for that today. I pray you give each and every one that revelation today. Lord, if they've made mistakes, let them know that they've been cleansed, that they've been washed, that they've been, they've, they've been taken away from that. They're not that person anymore. I pray you grant that today. I pray for our mothers today. We thank you for them. Lord, I pray you continue to make them godly mothers Help them to raise their children right. Lord, and sometimes it, it, it's a hard environment. It's difficult in the world that we live in. Some of them have to work because Pharaoh has them making bricks without straw in an age of inflation and things like that. But, oh, God, would you just help them? Lord, and maybe they, they're out of their position when they're not home with their children. But, Lord, help them that they'll still, you'll make up the gap. Somehow, Lord, there will be godly children raised in this age. Somehow there will be godly children. Oh God, I pray you'd help them today. Help them to know that they're loved and they're cared for. I pray you'd give our, our, our fathers and husbands, Lord, our, the men in this church, I pray you'd give them, a, a, Lord, an ability to speak to their wives, an ability to care for their wives, to teach their children. Let, let it not be all on the mother, but Lord, may the men grow up and take their responsibility that they could be a parent too. Not just put it all on the mother. I pray, Lord, as I thought today of widows, Maybe some have never had children, never been a mother, but they have that desire of motherhood was in them. 
May they just care for the Word and the people of God, Lord, with all that's in them. And we thank you for them, Lord. There's a special place for them, Lord, in your economy. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for them. I pray you'd bless each and every one now. From the pulpit to the pew, Lord, change us. Help us to know that we're clean. Help us to know that we can rejoice. Help us to know we can worship, Lord, with all of our heart. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now you can sing, He has forgiven me. It's that simple, church. All my sins have been lost. Oh, it's that simple. Let's stand together and sing it. Oh, by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Of Calvary. Oh, He has. If you need special prayer this morning, we'd be glad to pray with you if you want to come. Oh, yes. Forgiven me, all my sins, all have been washed from His memory, all by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Lord Jesus of Calvary. I'm so glad I've been forgiven. He has forgiven. Can you sing it? If you've been forgiven, raise your hands and sing it. He, oh, He has. My sins have been washed Oh, from his memory Oh, by the blood Oh, that ought to make us rejoice today Oh, of Calvary Oh, yes, he has He has forgiven me One more time as Brother Joel comes He, oh, has Oh, he's forgiven me Oh, yes, my sins, my sins have been washed from his memory by the blood of the Lamb of Calvary. Oh, he has. If you believe it, can you sing one more time with all your hearts now? Oh, he has forgiven me.
Door. 